I guess you've got to ask yourself today in 2023, just where is the relationship between Great Britain and Northern Ireland and indeed Northern Ireland and the rest of the world uh, today? Because it's certainly come a long way from back in the 60s. And just exactly what sort of influence does the Democratic Unionist Party, the DUP, have over the progression of Brexit? The new EU-UK agreement was announced on Monday this week, uh, and we saw the British PM, uh, Rishi Sunak, uh, attempting to make Northern Ireland, and he actually claiming that Northern Ireland was now the world's most exciting economic zone. It's, as I say, it's a, a long way since the, the tension in Northern Ireland in the 50s and 60s. Uh, our uh, expert on international affairs, Dr. Keith Suter, is on the telephone. He joins us now. Dr. Keith, a very good morning to you. I guess before we go forward and you tell us what the future is, we've got to have an understanding of what happened with Northern Ireland and its relationship with the UK. Yeah, so I think you need to start in 1973. So exactly 50 years ago... Great Britain decided to join the what is now called the European Union. In those days, it was called the Common Market. And the Republic of Ireland, which was a much smaller economy than it is today, the Republic of Ireland said, oh, we've got no choice. We've got to follow Britain into the European Union, the Common Market. Um, and then in the last 50 years, the Republic of Ireland has really flourished partly under European Union funding. Mm. And so when the Brexit vote was announced in 2016, the Republic of Ireland said, well, Britain might be leaving, but we won't. We see our destiny as being within the European Union. Mm. That immediately uh, caused problems. The, the, nobody on the Brexit side really had thought through some of the fine print on what would arise out of, uh, out of Brexit. Um, and Northern Ireland is a good example where no one had really given much thought. I think if you look at the Brexit vote, it was an English vote. The peripheral regions voted to remain within the European Union. So that's Northern Ireland, Wales and Scotland. Right. Uh, whereas it was the English who got the numbers. They were the ones who voted to leave and they took the United Kingdom out. Now, the problem with Northern Ireland is that since there's been the peace deal, a quarter of a century ago, things have really improved in Northern Ireland. Indeed, the places that you were referring to earlier, mm. uh, with the buff battlefronts that we had in Northern Ireland, and the IRA. They're now tourist, the IRA and all the rest of them, they're now tourist attractions. And the, the members of the old IRA are busy writing their memoirs. So it, it's a completely new era in the last 25 years. And the fear was that the boundary between the United Kingdom and the European Union would need to be drawn through the Northern Ireland uh, border once again. And so that would then revive the old tensions because in the last 25 years, people have become accustomed to living in one country and then going to work in another country. And they do that. I can tell you, when you drive from Northern Ireland into the Republic, you don't notice that you've actually moved out of the UK into the Republic of Ireland. That's what a significant breakthrough we have had over the uh, decades with the, both countries being in the European Union. Now it looked as though a new border would have to be created. Either you run the border down through Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, uh, which would keep Northern Ireland within the United Kingdom, 
but then create all the old border issues that we've had before, which le then leads to violence. Or you draw the line down through the North Sea and in a sense say um, the border for Great Britain runs as far as the, the Irish Sea and on the other side of the Irish Sea um, border, the Northern Ireland is now part of the Republic of Ireland. Yeah. And, I, and no one knew how you were going to square that circle. Boris Johnson simply said, we will ignore, in effect, we will ignore the concerns of the Northern Irish. And I think a lot of people in England had sympathy for that point of view because they're sick of the fighting that, that went on in Northern Ireland. Oh, my God. Uh, the fighting, it was a war. <laughs> it was an absolute war zone. Yeah. And, and, and you tell me that the IRA now is completely placated is it, and writing their, their memoirs. Is the IRA active at all anymore? Well, not the old IRA that you would have remembered from the days of the, what, what was called the Troubles. As I say, they, they're, they're, well, some of them have died, of course, old age. Um, but uh, what we've now got, as we saw with a recent tragic shooting a few days ago right. of that detective chief inspector in Northern Ireland, this is a group called the new IRA. Oh, okay. So it's a whole new generation coming through who are now using violence. Um, and, and so this is the fear that we've got, that we're going to get a reopening of all of this violence once again. Um, and so what Rishi Sunak has tried to do, which his predecessors like Boris Johnson and, and uh, Theresa May and then Tessa, whatever her name was, they're all, <laughs> they all failed. Oh, Keith, you're cruel. <laughs> I know I'm cruel, but you remember she, she didn't last in office as long as a did. <laughs> no, no, she didn't. But you're, you're quite, it's a very different world now that the uh, things have changed between Northern Ireland and indeed Great Britain and the, and the rest of the world. I, I wonder what Jerry Adams would think of all of this, who was, of course, the president of Sinn Féin, wasn't he? Yeah, and of course, Jerry Adams was a support for the peeps process and one of those who benefited from the outbreak of peace in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, and so what, what the problem then was, where do you draw the boundary? How do you monitor it? And the, for the people in Northern Ireland, they've had a hell of a year um, trying to work out what their relationship should be with Britain and with the European Union. Whichever way you go, you're going to be bogged down with red tape. All right. and, and so that's what the negotiations have been about over this so-called Windsor Agreement, which Rishi Sunak has negotiated. This week is a turning point for Rishi Sunak. Either his agreement will be seen as a masterstroke, in which case it'll help him get re-election uh, in a couple of years' time, or it'll uh, encourage his opponents one of whom is Boris Johnson, uh, <laughs> to get the knives out and bring him down in the same way the previous prime ministers have been brought down by conservative colleagues. Yeah. Uh, expert on international affairs, Dr. Keith Souter, is with us. Dr. Keith, just quickly, last week you and I spoke about the one-year anniversary of the, the start of the, uh, the war in Ukraine. Uh, I noticed that um, Zelensky is now saying to Australia, please bring your embassy back to Kiev. Do you mm. think that will happen? Yes, and it's really embarrassing that Canada, we, we don't Canada's, have... Canada's back. Yeah, everybody's back. Well, I shouldn't say everybody, but, but our Western allies are all back. And this is a bureaucratic struggle, as far as I can tell, in Canberra, with the work, health and safety bureaucrats saying you mustn't expose Australian diplomats to the risk of violence. Is that a fair so, comment, though? I mean, are, <laughs> are we exposing our diplomats and, and Australian citizens to danger? I guess we are. But then if you're going to serve overseas, that's a risk you run. Oh, indeed. If you live in Sydney, you're running a risk. Come on now. Um, so um, I, I do not agree with those Canberra bureaucrats. I think we need to get our ambassador 
back inside the embassy, which, by the way, is shared with the Canadians mm. already back in that building. Um, and I think that um, we, we need to do that and overturn the concerns of the work health and safety bureaucrats. It's one year since it started. Another year has started. Another year has just begun. What sort of next 12 months do you foresee? It'll be even more suffering in the coming year. Uh, The real violence will take place in the middle of the year when the ground is hard. The summer will have arrived in in the northern uh, hemisphere. Uh, Ideal time for fighting. And so I fear that by that time, the tanks which uh, Ukraine will have received from the West will have been fully up and running. The crews will have been trained for them. And, of course, by that time, Ukraine might have also got fighter aircraft from the West as well. So it's going to be a very brutal year this year, even worse than last year. Oh, dear, oh, dear. All right, Dr. Keith, always good to talk to you. Uh, Dr. Keith's um, podcast is called Global Truths. It's on the Lister app, L-I-S-T-N-R, and uh, he joins us uh, regularly here on The Night Shift. Thanks for that, Dr. Keith. Thank you.